for everyone I work with, it starts with that profile, making sure they're really coming across as unique and approachable and, you know, someone who people want to date. Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hi guys, Amy here. Okay, so you're probably listening to this podcast because you want to grow your business, helping people write about their life and about themselves. Well, Erica Etten, today's guest, does something similar. She helps people write about themselves, but for a very different medium and for a very different purpose than what we do, and that is online dating. Erica is the founder of A Little Nudge, where she helps people navigate the world of online dating through helping them write their profiles, helping them select pictures. She coaches people. She even helps people plan their dates. She's also the author of Love at First Sight, and she writes a dating column for the Chicago Tribune. She and her business have been profiled in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and NPR. And that's actually how I found her. I was reading an an article in the New York Times just a few days ago, and I saw Erica and her business, and I thought, oh my gosh, I need to have her on the show. So Erica, welcome, and thank you for joining us at the Life Story Coach Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. The last episode that I did for people was about, um, <laughs> it was about file naming conventions. Oh, boy. So I, I almost feel like I owe my audience something really fun I don't know, and that really sounds, interesting. That sounds pretty exciting. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I almost feel like I have to issue an apology for that one. I mean, obviously, we all have to be organized, but I see this episode as like the summer blockbuster. Oh, you know, right. we're going we're gonna to have fun and we're going to talk about something that I didn't really, I think I you know, I've been on and off of dating websites for years. And I think that I kind of knew that there were people out there like you that helped. But, um, but I had never thought that I'd actually talk to someone. But when I read about you, I just I realized there is there is a clear parallel between what you do and what I do. And, you know, it's all about helping people find the words to talk about themselves. Exactly. And especially when it comes to dating. But but I think in any capacity, someone might be a great writer and they might be a great person. But when it comes down to it, a lot of people don't know how to concisely talk about themselves to put their best foot forward. I mean, they might want to share too much. They might want to share too little. Most of my clients, I love them want to share too much. And it's like, no, you have to distill it down into the relevant information that catches someone's attention at the end. Let's start at the beginning. You did not start off in this industry. You were in the finance industry. Is that right? Yeah, I sort of had a major career change. Um, So I actually studied economics and I have a business degree. So Online dating wasn't exactly something you study, um, but I uh, I was an early adopter of online dating. I started back in 2001 when nobody did online dating. So I just thought it seemed like an interesting tool to use. And because of my, um, because of my background in economics, I kind of put two things that I really liked together, as nerdy as this sounds, um, dating and spreadsheets. So <laughs> I started a spreadsheet... Initially, I started it so I wouldn't accidentally write to the same person twice online. But then I realized, hey, I can track things in here. I can measure things. What's my response rate? So if I write, what's the probability that he'll write back? And then, oh, if he writes back, what's my conversion rate from response to date? (laughs) Like total, total nerd stuff. But 
um, I would make little tweaks and get better. And then my friends started asking me for help. What do you do? You know, what are you doing that I'm not? Can you help me? So I helped them with their profiles and gave them advice. So on the one hand, I was working in finance and I, uh, let's just say I'm not suited to sit in a cubicle. And on the other hand, I was doing this and loving it. So in early 2011, I quit my business and or I quit my job and started my business a little nudge. Well, and I think a lot of people that come to the life story profession, they come from all different other types of, you know, other lines of work. And they realize that there's something out there that's going to be more fulfilling and that you can make a living doing. Exactly. Well, I think a lot of people think so. I mean, in terms of making a living, and I'm sure you'll agree with this. I didn't realize until I started my business over seven years ago, there's the thing you're good at, the thing you actually want to be doing to help people. And then there's the running of the business part. And I think a lot of people don't realize oh, this business part is kind of a big deal. I cannot agree more with you. I started around the same time that you did. And I've, you know, I've worked plenty of different jobs. um, But I never had run my own business before. And it's only been really the past few years that I've started actually paying greater attention to the business side of things. And, you know, just trying to get educated. I I, I had no business classes when I was in school. um, So now it's playing catch up. And it is important if you don't tend to the business, you won't have a business for very long. Um, But let's talk a little bit about what you do. So can you kind of run us through the process when somebody contacts you? What happens? So let's say you contact me and you want to go on an online dating site, but either you've tried before and you haven't had success or you've never tried before. A lot of my clients were married for a long time, now aren't and don't know the first thing about online dating. So it starts with a profile. So for everyone I work with, uh, we either sit down in person for an hour or over the phone, depending on where they're located. And I really just, I get to know you. I get to know what you're looking for. Uh, I don't want to know your past relationship history because that's not really relevant to writing the profile. I want to know who you are today and who you want to be going forward. I write your profile from scratch for whichever site or sites we decide on. And we talk through, you know, should should you be on Match.com? Should you be on Tinder? Should you be on both? And we'll talk, you know, obviously not just those two sites, but we'll talk through uh, which site I recommend and why. Um, I also, as you know, pictures are the first thing people look at. So I help my clients go through their pictures, tell them what's going to work, what's not why. And I have to look at them very objectively. And it's funny, I have to look as a man, as a woman, you know, I have to, (laughs) I have to look at all the things that people might look at in online dating. And it's, it's incredible to me, (laughs) just how people's view of themselves in pictures often differs from what I actually see in the picture. But anyway, uh, we'll talk about that later. But, uh, but then, um, Once that profile is done, uh, some clients want me to do more in terms of searching for them on the sites, writing messages, even planning their dates. And some people just have a little bit of writer's block. They want to get the profile and then they feel like they can do the rest on their own. So for everyone I work with, it starts with that profile, making sure they're really coming across as unique and approachable and, you know, someone who people want to date. 
What if you are talking to a client who's maybe doesn't have an approachable personality or we, I think we all have different personas. I mean, I, 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 and I don't think any of them are necessarily inauthentic by any stretch. You know, if I'm talking to, you know, if you're talking to your grandmother, you're going to have a certain, a certain part of your personality coming out. If you're talking to somebody that you meet at a bar, it's going to be different. Do you know what I mean? So how do you uh, zero in on that? the personality that you want to bring to the profile? Good question. So I've, I've really honed my questions that I ask the client over time. So one of the most fun ones is what would your friends make fun of you or tease you about? Because that, yeah, because that gets to a, a more fun, playful side. I ask if anyone has any stupid human tricks, you know, things they wouldn't put on a resume that they're really good at. Um, I ask them for a story that describes them, like an anecdote that's happened to them that they say to themselves, yep, that's so me, because I just want to get a sense of their personality. Now, back to your question, is everyone approachable or does everyone have a great personality? No, of course not. I'm not going to lie about it. But when I write the profile, I don't I don't lie about anything, right? I'm always going to write as accurately to that client as I can, but if I'm working with someone who doesn't have an effervescent personality, who's kind of more serious, I'm going to make the profile a little more serious because mm-hmm. I don't want it to be a complete shock when that person shows up on a date. I'm just going to highlight the positives that I hear that person talk about. Okay. I just had to write down the, what would your friends make fun of you for? It's a great question. And when I sit down to interview clients um, or the storytellers that I'm writing the books about, I have a few stock questions that I use that are very open-ended. Um, and I'm absolutely going to add that because it, other ones that I've asked have been, mm-hmm. you know, like, have there, were there any family jokes or, you know, any sayings that you're known for? But I like your question a lot better. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. So so if I asked you, what's yours? Just out of curiosity, what would your friends make fun of you oh, about? Oh, boy. Um, See, it's, it's like, it's hard. It is hard. Well, my, my kids, for one thing, now this probably wouldn't fit on a dating site, but my kids always tell me, mom, um, you're a really great mom, but on paper you suck. And that's just because I'm terrible. You know, I forget their doctor's <laughs> appointments and, you know, I'm not the most oh, organized. I don't have the most organized mind at all. But, you know, they- that's really funny. But you know what? We could turn that into something so great in a profile because so many people are embarrassed by their quirks or their idiosyncrasies. But I say let them shine. Like if you own the fact that you're disorganized, then put that in the profile. You can say like, you know, I make the best chili, you know, on this side of the Mississippi. I made that up, obviously. But, you know, if you ask me where my keys are, I couldn't tell you. You know, that's cute. Right. And engaging and appealing. And it still shows your positives and negatives. Yeah. And that is, that's very true. I mean, if you, <laughs> now this is, this might bore the pants off of the people who are, you know, happily coupled up and don't go on dating sites. But, but if you, if you look at any of these profiles, I mean, the thing that is the biggest turnoff is the ones that are the ones that just sound like everybody else's. You know, I like to, exactly. you know, I like to hunt and fish and I, you know, whatever. And, and actually, that brings me to another question. Hunted fish? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's what it's, you know, maybe it's because I'm in the Midwest, but there are, um, I, I always get a kick out of the ones that say, I just want somebody who has the same interests that I have. I like to hunt and fish. 
You know, they'll show themselves. Okay, that is the, definitely twelve point five. That is definitely uh, dependent on where you live, because right. <laughs> that's really funny. Because like you, yes, you always see. You know, I like to laugh and have fun. I'm just as comfortable in a little black dress or tux as I am jeans and a t-shirt. I love to travel. My family and friends are important to me. Blah blah blah. And it's like I always tell people, if you can look next to you with a stranger on whatever kind of transportation you're taking, and that person could have said the same thing. It's way too generic. Oh, that's good. Yes. Yeah, that's that's so true. Okay, so do you encounter um, clients that are, uh, you know, that don't know how to talk about themselves so that they're giving you the information that you need? Like, is it is it hard to draw things out or does it just depend on the person? I ask enough questions that hopefully one of those questions will catch my client's attention. So we talk for a solid hour. And so I'm asking about their work and their schooling. And then I'm asking about their hobbies, things they like to do on the weekends. Uh, I'm asking, you know, the questions we already talked about, the, you know, the teasing questions. I ask things they can't live without, you know, what's important to them. I ask so many questions that I'm bound to get something. Mm. And I'll just keep asking follow-up questions. Like if a person is hard to engage with, hopefully I find one thing that makes them light up a little. And then if they light up about it, maybe it's travel, whatever it is, I'll just keep digging deeper into that so I get some really good material. It sounds so much like your process is what the process is for somebody doing a life story because it's, I, I often say I, I feel like a detective because the person that I'm interviewing knows their stories but may not know which stories are important until we start poking around. And I don't know them, but I just keep asking the questions. It's kind of, you know, circling the wagon, just trying to find, trying to find a way in to those things that really resonate, the things that have really, uh, that have meaning. Right. And do you find that people, because I often have, my clients sometimes try to self-censor, like they'll say, oh, well, I'm going to tell you this, but don't put it in my profile or, oh, that doesn't make me sound good. And I always say to them, just tell me everything. I'll decide later what to put in the profile or what makes you sound good or not. But I don't want you deciding what's going to sound good. I mean, that's why someone comes to you or comes to me. Right. Because you're the professional and you're going to know how to shape it so that it does come across as appealing to the people that it needs to be appealing to. Yeah. For, for exactly. me, I have um, pretty much every client I've ever worked with has gotten to a point where they have said, um, okay, I don't want this in the book, but, and then they tell me a story. I mean, that happens almost every time. Now it's a little bit, you know, my, my process, um, I do multiple interviews over period, you know, a given period of time with somebody and it can be, you know, it can be up to a couple years even sometimes. So there's, you're kind of building trust as you go along. And the first interviews are generally the really happy ones where they're talking about the happy stories that they like to tell. Um, and then we get into some of the harder ones. And then, like I said, you know, it always comes up where they're, they want to share something just because they've established this trust. And it's maybe something that has been unresolved for them, but they don't necessarily mm -hmm. want it in the book or they, you know, when they talk about it, then maybe they decide, you know, with the two of us discussing it together, maybe it does belong in the book, but then it's my job to put it in a way that, um, that is acceptable to them. And that, you know, sometimes I have to soften things, just craft it in a way that is adding to their story without causing pain for them or other people. 
Well, right. And and I will say, and maybe you find this too, because people are proactively coming to both of us. I will say most people, the hour flies by because it's fun to talk about yourself. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's no secret. But, you know, I have had the clients who you asked before are hard to open up. And I remember my, my most difficult was a woman, ni- nice woman. Um, she lived in Baltimore and Everything I asked her, she had a one-word answer. Like, do you have hobbies? No. Do you like to go out to eat? No. Do you cook? No. So not only not only were they one-word answers, they were all no. <laughs> yeah, they were all no. And then at one point when I asked about food, she's like, well, well, no, I had gastric bypass. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't have known that. So finally, when she started talking about her two kids, she opened up a little. So I just kept asking her about the kids. And it was funny all I really got for the profile was that her kids tell her she's a great driver, which I thought was at least very cute. So it's just, you, you got to find that thing. Right. I have your website pulled up right now, and um, I've looked at it earlier too. One of the things that I'm most impressed is that the um, the photos that you have, you have a slideshow photo thing on mm-hmm. your on your homepage. And the first photo that pops up is a mature couple. And by mature, I mean, you know, they're, they're not they're in their older. 20s. I love that. And then I think there's another one. Um, it looks like the common denominator is people who want a love relationship. And it doesn't matter, you know, what they look like and what kind of relationship, but you'll help them. That is exactly why I picked those pictures. So I will say my biggest demographic of clients right now is women over 50. So it's not an accident that I put that picture up there because I want that client or potential client to look at my website and say, oh, she does help people like me. I also make sure in my testimonials to get testimonials from clients of all ages and all locations because it's especially in the older clients, you know, they worry that they're all alone. And the reality of it is they're in good company, for better or worse. I'm actually a little bit surprised that I'm not surprised that it's the older crowd. You know, older, I'm lumped in there too. I'm 51. <laughs> so I'm, I'm right in your demographic. I should have given you my match profile to, to look at, I guess. <laughs> I but I'm, I am a little bit surprised that it's more women than men, because I would think that men would have a harder time with this. Just, I don't know, in general, they seem to have a little bit of a harder time, not only not necessarily communicating, but maybe knowing their self yeah, as well who, as women do. But who's more inclined to ask for help? I would say a woman. Oh, Erica, that is brilliant. Thank right. you. Thank you. Also, I mean, the other, the other kind of, the other reason is, unfortunately, society has somehow, you know, trained men to think they want someone much younger. Um, and mm. I think that's unfortunate because I work with so many phenomenal women who are looking at men their own age and the men their own age aren't looking for them. And it it gets very frustrating. So that's also why, I mean, granted, so I I work mainly in Washington, D.C. and then a lot in New York, though I have clients everywhere. And there are more women than men in both cities. So that's a part of it. But I think, yeah, the other part is the age discrepancy and the fact that women are more inclined to ask for help. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and with the age discrepancy, I, I kind of, I suspect that there might be some psychological grounding there because, um, okay, this is a little goofy, but my, my mom died in 2016. She had, um, she was sick with Alzheimer's for quite a few Mm -hmm. years. My dad took care of her the whole time. So he was in his seventies. My mom died. Well, several months later, um, we were, <laughs> we had a big family dinner. It was all the grand, you know, six grandkids, all, you know, his 
his two daughters and my brother-in-law and we my sister and I were like ask dad if he's if he's interested in dating and I'm like no you ask him so we're whispering about this my dad's hard of hearing so it's all okay he can't hear us well then one of us got up the nerve and we said so dad have you thought about doing any dating and he said well I I tried to go on that match.com site, but they want you to pay money for it. <laughs> and, and I don't think any of us realized that he was at that point, you know, that he was at the point of thinking about other women. Um, and, and so there was, there was silence at the table for about five seconds. And then everybody just burst out laughing, including all of the grandkids. And it was, it was a really, you know, it was like, okay, this is our new reality. You know, of course, he had a long, happy marriage. Why would he not want to be in a relationship? Right. But then the second very startling thing was my, my daughter ended up getting him. This is odd. She ended up getting him a match.com subscription for his Christmas gift. I love that so much. It was, you know, in its way, it was the sweetest thing ever. So we're sitting around at Christmas talking about what his profile should be. Now, at this time, he is 78 years old, I think. Okay. And, um, and so we were, we were saying, okay, well, dad, you have to, uh, you have to decide what age range you want for a woman. And he said, well, put her down for 45. Exactly. <laughs> and we just, you know, everybody, everybody was like, you can't do that. That's disgusting. And, but I think, you know, my perspective is that probably after having been, you know, he was in his twenties when he got married, he was married for decades and he didn't have the time yet to, for his brain to catch up to where um, he was in life. You know, the last time he had been actively looking around for a love relationship, he was in his 20s. So it probably would seem strange, like, oh, wait, now I'm going to look at, you know, 78-year-old mm -hmm. women. Um, and I'm just one, you know, and I, I, I doubt that that happens as much to women. Uh, it makes me a little bit sad for men because I think that they're, uh, missing out on a lot of really great opportunities. It's a little bit like the my single friends who say they'll um, date somebody, but they will exclude height. all bald yeah. men. Yes, height and hair. And I think, oh. Uh, yes, it drives me nuts. So, I mean, I will say, yeah, I, my biggest topic of conversation or pushback on, on clients is the height thing for women. You know, they'll say, I want someone six two and above you know what percent of people of men are six two and above i think it's 3.4 percent or something like that why in the world would you want to exclude 97 percent of the population so i often have to talk to them about height and men about age i mean obviously that's an overgeneralization and i do work with a lot of men who want children mm. and then you have to take into account you know a woman's age when she has kids so it gets a little touchy there but it's just it's just really interesting because um this probably differs from what you do. Someone will tell me what they want. And look, I'm not a Scantron machine where I, I put in what you want and then find that thing because it's also my job to figure out what I think is appropriate, you know, and hopefully the client agrees with me. But if they're saying things that are totally off base, that are just unrealistic, I have to be the one to say, you know, let's, let's expand this. Is there wiggle room? Um, or, you know, you have to hold yourself to the same standard you're holding somebody else or, or something like that. It's just, it's very interesting. Do you ever feel like you're in the role of a therapist where you have to all yeah. the time? Yeah. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm a dating coach and you know, there's a fine line between coaching and therapy, 
And, you know, we don't have to get into all the definitions, but I do often feel like a therapist. I mean, I was talking to a client earlier today, a lovely 64-year-old woman, and she's telling me about, uh, you know, her sex life with the guy I found for her on Match.com. And she's like, is this TMI? And I'm like, no, who else are you going to talk to about it? So, <laughs> so, we, you know, we talked about it and she asked me like, how soon is too soon? And I said, yeah, I can't tell you that. <laughs> oh, and we do. Every stage of our life, we have to figure it out. And Exactly. And, and she goes, is it my age? And I said, no, I, I got people in their 30s telling me the exact same stuff. So it's just, it's interesting because well beyond the, you know, ghostwriting or whatever you want to call it that I do with profiles, I mean, it's really, this is an emotional area for people being single and not wanting to be and it's just it's interesting that it goes it does go well beyond the profile in many cases oh and what a great service that you're helping you know like you just said they're single and they don't want to be and that's the service that you're bringing to the world that you're helping people get through that um i i I love that thanks but i also have to manage expectations because i think sometimes people think when they pay someone for a service um you know a miracle happens and i have to manage expectations too like i'm really good at my job and if i write your profile you will get more attention however i certainly can't guarantee nor could anyone that you're going to end up in a relationship because what you do when you meet people is in your control. So that's always interesting when, you know, people think because they pay me, they're going to get, you know, a hundred percent response rate to all of their messages. I could write them great messages, but I certainly can't control the other side. You know, I don't know why people don't respond when they don't respond. All I can do is use my best practices with my clients and give you that advice. Right. And it's so, you know, for anybody who's done online dating, you, you know, it's it's so different than having interactions with somebody in real life because in real life, when you're face to face with somebody, there's there's so much more room to to um, express yourself and not feel like you're going to instantly turn somebody off because you can have you know you can either read a message and there's the wrong tone and all of a sudden you lose interest or or uh, and I'm sure those are the outgoing messages as well and you don't know what's on the other end absolutely and and I tell my clients I mean I suggest to them to meet very quickly after matching with someone on a dating site. Like I do not recommend too many messages back and forth because ultimately, like you said, you don't know someone until you meet in person. And when I'm writing the profile, and and this would differ from a life story, but I'm writing enough to pique someone's interest, but not so much that they read the whole thing and say, I was interested and now I'm not. So I call everything in the profile, I call it message bait because (laughs) everything is like bait. You know, you mentioned that you, uh, you know, love to play tennis, whatever, but you don't say too much about it. Someone could easily ask about tennis. Do you play on a, in a league? Do you, did you play in high school? Do you play professionally? Whatever it is. I, I call the pictures message bait too. I always have someone do a picture with do, them doing something interesting. So, I mean, in the various times I've done online dating, I always put a picture of me at a microphone because it generates questions. What are you doing? Are you singing? Are you giving a TED talk? Are you doing stand-up comedy? It just gives the person an in. So I recommend a lot of that in the profile. Oh, and that's good because that's not something that the average person is going to think to do. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. Now, do you, um, is there kind of a percentage of the profile that you write that's about the person versus about what they're looking for or the kind of person that they're looking for? 
Good question. Uh, I do it about 75-25. So 75 about you, the rest about what you're looking for. Because ultimately, who doesn't think they're wonderful, right? So someone could read a profile and be like, wow, she's looking for someone smart, funny, and attractive. I'm all of those things. We're perfect. I would rather someone read about you or read about my client, find something in there that resonates and write because of that. Right. So, and basically everything sounds so generic that people are looking for. Like who doesn't want someone honest? Who doesn't want someone, you know, fill in the blank? So I really do focus on, on the person. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, that's also good because like, who knows what they're looking for? I mean, exactly. I, you know, I wrote my match profile years ago, right after I got divorced or a few months after I got divorced. And I think I said in it something like, you know, I have no idea what I'm looking for. Well, sure. And I respect that because I think so many people come with this laundry list of things they're looking for. And it's hard to break people out of that. And you could be missing out on amazing people. So, you know, I always encourage people to come up with a handful maybe of, you know, deal breakers or non-negotiables. Like, if religion is a non-negotiable for you, that's fine. That's, that's, that's a reg, you know, that, that makes sense. But, you know, you can't say you want blonde hair and green eyes. Like, there's just, come on. <laughs> right, right. So now, is there a very big difference in the kinds of profiles that you write for men and that you write for women? And do you have to, do you take into consideration, like, how women are reading the men's profiles? Or- Good question. Um, I, I don't have many differences between male and female profiles, although I might put more exclamation points in a female profile. I probably <laughs> wouldn't do that too much for men. But same with messaging. If I'm messaging as a woman or for a woman, there might be a smiley face. For a guy, definitely not. Um, but no, but people always ask me, like, I want to make sure you're writing to attract the person I'm looking for. And I always say to them, no, I will not write like that. I will write as accurately to you as I can, Mm -hmm. because we don't know what the person you're looking for is looking for. Mm -hmm. We can't game the system like that. All we can do is put your best foot forward and be accurate to who you are as a person. And then hopefully the person who's attracted to that will be interested. So no, I I don't. Um, My profiles are a little more playful if somebody is younger. Um, Like if, if I have a 25 year old woman, for example, you know, I might, put some sillier things in there than if it's a 65 year old woman. But ultimately no two profiles are this. I've never written two profiles the same. I really just, they're all just based on what you tell me. Do you think that the, the clients that you're writing the profiles for when they end up actually meeting the people, um, you know, going out on dates with somebody, do they usually say, well, I had help with this profile or is it truly ghostwritten and that's their secret? Uh, it's pretty much truly ghostwritten and that's their <laughs> secret. But it is interesting because for the, for the clients, like my top level clients, I'm actually writing messages for them on the dating site as them, which I know is, you know, sounds crazy, total Cyrano situation. But, you know, if the choice is don't do it at all or pay someone else to do it, Mm -hmm. a lot of people will choose pay. And I always say to them at the beginning, I don't care whether you share this with your partner or not if you end up in a relationship. Like, that is on you. You know that you're outsourcing. And I find it fascinating. Like, you know, I have a good number of clients who are married and some have told and some haven't. And I just, I don't know. I, I mean, no one's gotten upset, which is good, but, but some people just, just never said a word. And, and, you know, I'm not judging either way. It's up, it's completely up to them. 
somebody might think, oh, wait, this person did not write their profile or this person did not write the messages that they've sent me. Um, and that's dishonest. But that's no more dishonest than anybody that comes to me and says, hey, I want my life story recorded, but I don't have the tools to do it myself. I don't have the skills to create a whole book. Um, and so the way that I view myself, and I'm wondering if maybe this is how you think of yourself too, is, you know, we're just the medium. We're, we're you know, they're channeling things through us and we are outputting something that they would do themselves if they had the communication skills to do it. I completely agree. That is exactly how I feel. I'm, we're being accurate to the client. We're just putting it out there in a way they wouldn't have necessarily thought of, but it's all their information. And I'm not the one showing up on the date, you know? So, so once they get to the date, it's all them. Okay, so I have to ask you, has anybody ever has anybody ever said, can you be there when I go on the date? Not with them, but you know, like for for support or anything? I had a guy once ask me if I would do like an earpiece situation. And I said no, because first of all, I need to have a life too. Like at the <laughs> but, but second, like no, I, I want him to behave on the date however he's gonna behave. And yeah, I would love to be a fly on the wall, but I don't hey, look, I don't I don't want to I don't want to be there um but this is funny you asked me if you know if anyone shares that they've worked with me he's the one person this is hilarious he went on a date with someone from match.com I had written his match profile and I guess it wasn't there you know they didn't have chemistry it wasn't a match but I guess he told her that I had written the profile I don't know why maybe she said she liked whatever anyway this woman calls me one day and says um yeah I want to hire you to write my profile I said great how did you hear about a little nudge? Because I always ask that. And she tells me she went on a date with this guy. I knew exactly who it was. And then I always ask, can I thank the person who referred me? And she said, absolutely not. I do not want him to know I called you. So, oh, that is so funny, so Erica. funny. <laughs> Referrals, man. That Yeah, that's an odd way to get a referral. I, that, I love that. But I, I mean, it was so funny to me. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, clearly you did your job really well for her to for her to respond uh, like I that. I mean, I guess so. He also referred me his sister to work with. I mean, I guess this guy was happy. He's married uh, now, so I'm thrilled. <laughs> okay. When you first said that you worked with people that are married, I... I <laughs> Instantly, I thought, oh, so you work with married people who oh, want no, to be no, out no. on dating sites, but you're talking about. <laughs> no, okay. no, no. You have to- that's that was going to that was leading to my next question. I mean, you uh, do you have parameters where you say, no, I'll only work with people who are single um, or is it, you know, anybody who wants uh, to be out there dating? I will not work with someone who's married. I get that there's ethical non-monogamy and I, I respect people doing whatever is right for them. However, just. That's not, I wouldn't feel comfortable. Now, I did have one situation once where um, a woman, her husband was terminally ill and had been for years, and they discussed her dating other people because of his situation. And that was such a unique situation that I did take her on because it was so unique and, you know, they had discussed it. So, interestingly enough, she ended up meeting, and I, I don't, I think they went out for a few months. She ended up meeting a man who was in a very similar situation with his wife, which I thought was fascinating. That doesn't surprise me at all because when when we're 
doing online dating, there's no points of reference. I don't know if that's the term that I want, but there's there's nothing to connect you except for that you both happen to be on the same right. dating site. So when you can find those commonalities, even if you know if you're going to a party um, and you meet somebody face to face, it's almost you know that there's social proof in in, in, a, in one respect. You know you know that somebody knows them and they were invited. Right. Um, and it's so hard w- with online dating because there's nothing. You know there's there's none of that there. So you have to right. find other things, and you know right. those common experiences can be exactly. Uh, and but I have no problem working with someone. In fact, I enjoy it when someone doesn't know what they're looking for. And I don't mean doesn't know what they're looking for in a partner, but doesn't know what kind of relationship they're looking for. I I actually prefer that sometimes because a lot of my clients want the fast track to marriage. And, you know, personally, Mm -hmm. you know, Erica as a person, not as a dating coach, I don't think marriage is the panacea. I think it's one option. And so I like when clients come to me and say, you know, I might be looking for something long term, but I'm just trying to get out there and let's see what happens. And I like that because there's so much less pressure. You know, if someone wants to be married in X period of time, that puts pressure on not just them, but me. So I like when someone is open minded. I personally think you could meet someone and they could fulfill many different roles in your life. You know, I've certainly become friends with a lot of people I've met online. So, um, so I have no problem working with someone who doesn't know if they're looking for something serious. And are are women more open to different things and men kind of know that they want something more serious or or flip flop? Do you see any patterns? Uh, I will say most people who come to me are looking for something serious because generally you're not going to pay for something if you're not serious about it. But you know, I have had instances where, you know, if someone is is pretty recently out of a long-term relationship or a marriage, they don't want to get married again, or at least not right away. So they just want to learn how to date and see what's out there. And I actually sometimes feel like I can play a bigger role in someone's life like that because, you know, they're learning about themselves again. That the same woman who was asking me about sex, you know, the 64-year-old said in the last three weeks, she's learned so much about herself that you know, she didn't know because she hadn't been dating in a long, long time. Yeah, that's, that's great. (laughs) Okay, well, I know, I know you don't have very much time. I was going to ask you, though, um, people in my business in the life story business, there's all different ways of doing this business. um, And writing obituaries is one Mm -hmm. small niche, you know, writing ethical wills. So there's lots of different things besides just doing books or videos or audios. If somebody wants to get into writing, helping people write profiles, do you have any advice for them? Well, you have to be a good writer. And I don't even say that facetiously because probably one out of 10 profiles is written correctly. Everything has to be written well. So you have to love writing and you have to love working with people and you have to kind of get people. Like I assume you're the same way and most people are in your who are in your field are this way. I think you probably pick up on people pretty quickly. I think you're probably a good judge of character. And that's so, I didn't realize quite how important that was um, in my business until I started doing it. But you got to, pick up on things, people's body language, their facial expressions. So that's something I've learned. Um, But other than that, like I was saying at the beginning, I think many people could write someone a profile, but then you have to remember that it's also a business. You know, when I quit my job, I had no source of no income. um, So I had to make this business work. And it was hard, really hard work. And it took a lot of hustling and a lot of advertising and a lot of talking and, you know, all of that. So you know, there are plenty of things in this world I think we could all do well, but then you have to think, how do I sustain it? Because 
you know, ultimately I'm also a salesperson. I got to get my clients. I got to get new clients all the time because it's a weird job where my success is getting rid of my clients. I want them for a very short period of time because why would I want to work with someone for a long period of time? That means they're not finding someone. So it's constant turnover. And, you know, I always have to be getting new clients. So I would just say take into account the whole situation versus just the thing you like to do. That's great advice. Okay, just going back to the getting new clients, do you have many repeat clients? Absolutely. I mean, it's really rewarding to me when a client comes back. You know, if they were in a relationship for, say, two years, it, you know, something didn't work out for some reason, it's it's extremely validating and rewarding that they liked my service enough to come back. I also, I mean, most of my business is referral now, especially having been doing it for over seven years. So a lot of it is, you know, a client will tell their friend or someone will ask, hey, how did you meet? Oh, I worked with this dating coach. Um, and then I, I get referrals from a good number of therapists too, because their patient might be at a point where they're ready to date. And so the therapist might refer them to me to kind of work in conjunction. So that's always neat too. So yeah, mostly mostly referral, a few repeats. I mean, some clients I've had on and off for years. I, I just had one send me, my birthday was last week. He sent me a bottle of whiskey for my birthday. I've been working with him on and off for probably six years, you know, in and out of relationships. And I was like, you know... This feels really good that he appreciates me enough that he learned that I liked whiskey <laughs> and, <laughs> and sent me a bottle. And do any of them, do any of the men that you work with, uh, do they ever try to date you? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound cocky, but, you know, I, I'm in my 30s. Um, I you know, put myself together okay. So, yes, it does happen. So, it's actually interesting to me hearing what a male client might do in that scenario. So something nice to hear is I would like to find someone like you. I think that is the oh. ultimate compliment. What is not good is, so are you available? And <laughs> I will say not to you. Um, and one person I did have to say, you're older than my dad. Other than that, and I did, you know, I had one unfortunate situation where he was very inappropriate with me and I ended up having to um, let that client go. But I have no problem. I mean, I think... One of the benefits of working for yourself, and you probably agree with this, is you get to choose who you work with. I take most people who want to come my way, but if I have a sense that I can't do a good job for that client or I don't think we're a personality fit, I have no problem referring them elsewhere. Mm, yeah, that's good. Well, I, I only had to do that one time, and it was when a guy that I was doing his life story, and he was much younger than a typical client. He was in his early 50s. Mm -hmm. And when he started pulling out um, naked pictures of old girlfriends, I thought, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> Sorry, that's just really funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's It makes for, you know, it's like match.com stories. They make, you know, they might be really uncomfortable when they happen, but they make for good stories later on. <laughs> oh, I, absolutely. I always say to people, every bad date is a good story. I mean, if you're having a bad date, just live it up. See what the heck happens because then you can tell your friend later. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I always say like everyone has a horror story and a love story from online dating because you'll find the people who are like, oh my God, online dating, it's so scary. And, you know, no one tells the medium stuff. So yeah, you'll, you'll cite people who are married from an online dating site or someone who got stalked from an online dating site. Those are, they're all kind of on the edges. I mean, most people go on a bunch of dates right, and right. see what happens. And all of that and, stuff can um, happen yeah. when you're meeting somebody in real life, um, not on... Of course. Life. So, yeah. Of course. There are plenty of crazies everywhere and plenty of amazing people everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been so much fun talking to you. Uh, oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> been my pleasure. And I know that you have uh, you have an appointment, but tell people where they can find you. And also something that I neglected to mention at the beginning was that you have a podcast. So tell us where we can find I that do. and the names and everything. Sure. So um, my business is called A Little Nudge, and you can find me online at www.alittlenudge.com. Um, my book is called Love at First Sight, S-I-T-E. I am a fan of the pun. So I, I do. I don't know if I told you this. I do competitive punning. No. Um, which was, Oh, my God. You have no idea. We can talk about that another day. Um, and and that, let me tell you, was definitely in any profile I had. And uh, and then my podcast is called So We Met Online. And you can find it on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. And that, I have a, a male co-host. He and I share our own dating stories, actually, and then give advice about it. So we talk about anything from dating after divorce to sex to polyamory to a- anything you could possibly want. Well, thank you, Erica. And this this has been a pleasure. I would love to have you out again sometime. I think we could accommodate that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, take care. And that does it for our interview with Erica Etten of A Little Nudge. I hope you enjoyed it. That was really fun for me to talk to her. Um, Something that I would have never thought about for a writer. um, But obviously... I think that might be an avenue that people can go into. Um, Online dating is huge. And... (laughs) If you've read any profiles, you know there's a lot of people out there who need some help. So it might be something that you're interested in looking into. If you like this episode, if it helped at all, I would so appreciate you going over to iTunes and giving us a review, hopefully a good one. Um, and if you have any comments to share, head on over to the lifestorycoach.com and look for episode 21. And until next time, take care and go out and save someone's story. <laughs>